Yeah. We, we make shapes. That's the hardest. Yeah, yeah no, but we pay no, somebody to right. somebody make tells the shapes, us, and we, the shape. we just follow <laughs> their instructions. Oh, my goodness. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Marching Arts Podcast, your guide to all things marching. Today with us, we have a professional marcher, in my opinion, who has been at all levels of marching. Um, you know, went through high school, went to uh, college at Kennesaw State. That's where we met her. Um, and then she marched in DCI and then came back to march at the university level. She's fantastic, has a ton of knowledge, and her name is Juliana Thomas. Hey. Welcome. It's happy to be here. Are you sure? I'm positive. Okay. <laughs> Not COVID positive, I assume. I hope. Oh, no. <laughs> Surprise. And negative. Surprise. <laughs> so, to kind of kick us off here and let us know a little bit about yourself, what got you into marching band from the start, and what kind of drove you to go into drum corps? So, I started marching band, or I started band when I was in sixth grade. Um, when you're a fifth grader, they bring you in early, and they give you a test of all the instruments, and I could make a noise in the brass instruments, and my mom was there, and I said, Mom, I want to play violin. And she said, that's not a band instrument. You're going to be in band. Your mom's a good one. Your mom made a good choice. <laughs> she made a great choice. Um, I'm also a triplet, so whatever my brothers did, they were also in band. I did too. Um, so I played the French horn. Brothers played other brass instruments like the trumpet and the euphonium. So together we were like a, almost a brass trio. You could have had like a family band. You could have. We did every Christmas actually. Oh, okay. Oh. Is was, there an album? A mixtape. Are you dropping it today Dro- on the podcast? <laughs> is, it dro- is it dropping today? Drops today, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so that's kind of how I started band. And mm-hmm. then marching band was just the natural progression from middle school into high school. My big brother did it, so therefore I had to do it. Um, I loved it. <laughs> but I didn't really consider marching band seriously until sophomore year. When you get a little bit of the sophomore syndrome going. Um, for those of you who don't know, sophomore syndrome is when you do something new for the first time. And then the next time you do it, you think you know a lot about it because you've done it before, right? As a sophomore coming in, I've done marching band. I know what a dot is. I know what eight to five is. Therefore, I can tell all the freshmen all about it and order them around. More is a while, after all. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> while your upperclassmen just want you to, you know, be quiet while they give yeah, the actual instructions. Right. Um, <laughs> so my sophomore year came back with a little bit of sophomore syndrome. But also, this other guy in my section, um, the telephone section, came back from his first year of the cadets. Okay. And he just came back, and he didn't say anything. He was a quiet guy, but he came back with this instilled confidence and excellence. His stuff was always perfect. He was always on time. His horn stack was always A1. He came back, and I said, I want to be like that. (laughs) You want to be like steak sauce? A1 steak sauce? Uh, Absolutely. Not sponsored, by the way. Um. (laughs) Unless. <laughs> so that's a good point to make. I mean, there's a very large, large difference between what happens at a high school level and happens at a drum corps international level. Um, and I mean, and people have different things that they want to accomplish at the high school level. You know, if they're in a competitive band, you know, they're wanting to come back with trophies, tell their friends and, you know, and, you know. Uh, mama's proud of little Timmy for getting the getting the trophy, um, but people want different things out of it. For you, 
you know, it, being in drum corps and making that transition, you know, you saw somebody that had, you know, excellence and, and it was just beaming confidence when they came back. So can you talk a little bit about when you saw that, did that set an expectation for you or like what did you hope to get out of it? So I learned in the competitive high school marching band environment that being good is a lot of fun. You can have fun mm-hmm. and you can be good, but doing both is a lot of hard work and there's a there's a very um, fine line. Fine line is it's a balance. Right. And that's what he came back and he wasn't telling everybody about how great drum corps was or about his experiences or his stories. Mm. He just came back and did his did his thing, did what he wanted to do. And I think that speaks volumes because a lot of people come back from those experiences like I did, and they don't sh- shut up about drum corps for the next <laughs> six months. They get they get sophomore syndrome, except uh, <laughs> about drum corps to high school. And exactly. Like, <laughs> I would say like that's not necessarily bad because like you do want to advocate for DCI and just showing like, hey, this is this awesome thing that I did and I had such an amazing time. But like when that line gets crossed, is like, oh, I'm better than you. Right. And you like do see some of those people come out like, I'm better than you. Like you like are lucky that i'm still in this program i'm still doing high school or do still doing college instead of only doing dci so like yeah i do see that sometimes that line does get crossed right and you've got to just maintain the heart at the end of the day like we are sitting here playing instruments and waving our arms around on a floating rock in space like that's just that's abstract that's actually a plate Um, (laughs) topic for a different episode <laughs> but what doesn't change is these are these are people. They've right. got their own stories, their own hardships. They're here doing finding community and band and bettering themselves every single day. Learning new skills, learning time management. Drum Corps is really good at doing that. It really stresses um your ability to get things done in a certain amount of time because things always go wrong and at the end of the day you'll you'll never look at a drum corps and say that person over there the top of that triangle they were late to um, bus and seat <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have their head on correctly because it gets fixed and it gets done right so it's right. problem solving it's it's a lot of um growing up so to speak in a short period of time yeah so, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you marched with Boston Crusaders, right? Did I you march, march with anybody else or like audition with anybody else? I auditioned for the cadets um, and for when was three this? years. Um, so I marched in 16. Okay. And then starting... 1916? Yeah, that's a long time ago. <laughs> I didn't think DCI was around in 1916. You're looking good for 1916. Yeah, right? <laughs> got olive oil on my skin and avocado. It works wonders, um, guys. Okay. <laughs> Brought to you by Haas, but not really. <laughs> Another not sponsor, unless. <laughs> so you March 2016? At March in 2016, in the previous two years, um, I auditioned for the cadets. And the first year I did not make it, got a call back. The second year I did make it, but did not march. Um, I was not financially ready um, mm. for <laughs> thousands of dollars leaving my bank account. Right, and <laughs> so. I think it's a good point to bring up because like some people may not know that it is thousands of dollars. and like it's they expensive. Show to spring training or like just auditions and you're like i'm ready to do this and then you see you know the booklet and it's like hey it's a 3600 you know plus Commitment, yeah yeah so you're like oh so i'm so glad i found this out now or like we're glad that you're sharing that information here on the podcast so people are just aware that yes there is a huge financial commitment well even the big number thirty six hundred dollars is what i paid when i'm marching 16 at the end of the day i, I just was guess that. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it was right on. At the end of the day, Don't I spent forty one hundred. Um, when wow. you, because during the summer, food and travels provided yeah. mostly, but you still need things like, oh, my sleeping bag has a hole in it now, or it's just trashed. So instead <laughs> of doing cadets and like not marching with them that year, so how did it then transition to Boston? So 2016 audition for both cadets and Boston made both cores and had to make a choice. Um, I chose Boston over cadets because I um, vibed with the culture a lot more. The cadets have a very I don't I know you guys don't like cussing, but they're they're hard asses. <laughs> to say it very bluntly, um, and they were comprised of an older young adult because it's age gapped, but their right. average age, I think I want to say was 20. Um, and they're a great core and a great group of people, but they did not resonate with me. And at the end of the day, I chose Boston because I immediately clicked with everybody there. Um, we were all a bunch of younger, newer people to the marching arts. Um, and we all just kind of grew and learned together. Oh, that's and pretty that's cool. really special. And that's something to say, because I mean, across the board, I mean, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of, you know, group you're in, whether it be, you know, indoor drumline, you know, anything WGI, DCA, I mean, if you if you're in a you know an environment where you're not getting along with anybody, is that worth it for you to for you to do? Some um, people would say yes, but like most people, I agree would probably be like, no, I need to no. have fun. Like, right. my only goal isn't to be the best of the best. I want to you know enjoy being the best of the best. And so. and to me, I mean, you know, that kind of you know who takes responsibility for that kind of thing, right? So for me. You know, since marching band, you know, we're, I think we're all three of us are kind of under the, the pretense that marching band really starts at the end of eighth grade going into ninth grade um, in most cases. Right. So to me, it kind of falls on those high school directors that have those, you know, that have a formed marching band to kind of cultivate that to allow their students to want to come back because there's you know there's also a lot of programs out there where you know the director themselves are super hard asses so these kids are walking into a super strict environment and they don't want to continue to do that because you know of you know we talked about this before about you know trying to balance work and life you don't want this band aspect that you were just trying to have fun with to become work now right so um it's something to be said that you know you know you could have gone one way but chose to go another because of vibes <laughs> right. right so uh, off topic or not slight tangent but like did your director march slash ever like meant bring up dci in high school yeah so my director patrick Irwin, in high school he marched cavaliers and he taught cavaliers um, in the early 2000s. Okay. So our very first video of, hey kids, you want to know what marching band is like? He slaps on the machine from the Cavaliers, I think it's a 2005 show, slaps that on and just wows us. We're like, whoa, what was that? That was so weird. And hello. <laughs> I look, Ryan and the cat. So my band was exposed <laughs> to DCI from day one. Um, we didn't know what, the, what, it, what it was, but we knew it was really cool. Okay. And I think that's it's easy to get exposure now because everything's on YouTube and you can just search a YouTube um, space chords from the Blue Devils right. uh, video and, and then just get wowed immediately right. and get right. immersed. So kind of following that, you know, I, you said it was going to be off track, but I don't think we really got super <laughs> off track. Um, you know, you've talked a lot about some some great 
um, experience that you had with the things you can, you know, get out of core and DCI and, and, you know, the, you know, people that you meet and, and all the, all the kind of culture that you form with those people. But, you know, overall with that, what are, you know, what are some of your favorite things about it, but also what are some of your least favorite things about it as well when you had your time there? Um, I think I'm excited to see the change in DCI as our culture changes and is less about do what I say when I say it and really about creating a learning experience because that's where DCI is going for, for the individuals. Because um, at the end of the day, I mean, when you're in it, you, you're competitive and you want to beat SCV, you want to beat the cadets, you want to beat all these other cores. But then after that's over, it's like a big family and we're just glad to have shared similar experiences. And I say that coming from the kind of um, teachers and the kind of directors, not core directors, but brass directors, who would make us run uh, timed miles at 180 BPM because we fracked a note and missed instructions. Wow. Um, stuff like that is pretty common in DCI. I've heard stories from members at the cadets who wouldn't follow instructions, missed, missed a beat. Um, and then they'd have to say, okay, see that telephone pole, go run and touch it. And they would use kind of almost a physical punishment to punish a mental tick. Um, and that happens where people, you miss instructions sometimes. Sometimes you were immature and you're talking when you weren't supposed to be talking. Um, and so they kind of had to figure out a punishment for that. But I think we're changing from kind of a beat down culture into let's like, let's take five minutes, everybody. If we're missing a lot of instructions, let's take five minutes, relax rest a second and let's get let's jump back in um because it's it's a skill to learn in order to have talk with your friends and Mm -hmm. then cross that line onto the field and then immediately jump into okay now i am a performer and i need to you know shed everything else and kind of just focus on what i need to be doing counting breathing playing so let's get into like hazing because that's something everybody knows about maybe not want to talk about it but here we want all of our listeners to get the full experience of all aspects of the marching arts. So like, do you have any experience with hazing? Maybe not like you yourself were doing it, but like surely you've heard of it or like maybe even seen it? Yeah, um, at the high school and college level, I've experienced no hazing. No talk about hazing. There, There is explicitly, absolutely no hazing involved um, in any of the programs I've done, except drum corps, it's not talked about, um, but they do have forms of hazing. Um, for sure. And they're not anymore. I've heard stories about them being illegal, but my friends at the Cavies went through hazing. Um, theirs was not optional. Boston Crusaders had hazing. It was optional. Um, and it was done very hush-hush on the bus. Um, I did not participate in it, but it was the kind of thing where you just, it was like a talent show and you get to choose your talent. So some people sang, um, I don't have any... <laughs> other talents but band <laughs> so i did not participate but people like you know they did like a little dance um some people did like a, almost like a stand-up comedy like they just told jokes to the to the bus and it's all like curtained off and so it wasn't anything terribly explicit or terrible um they're dark but, or dark yeah but it did <laughs> it did happen and that was just something that that happened on the bus um other cores are completely against it, but I do know that some of them 
like the cabbies, I've heard uh, stories and cadets have had hazing in the past. And mm. the culture around hazing is we want to shut it down um, because you're a part of the core day one. Nothing, you know, if you make it through spring training, nothing can take away take that away from you. Mm. You're going to be a part of the core, get the core necklace, shoestring, medallion, ring, whatever your core does. Um, and that's what your summer experience is all about. You are a blank, a crusader, a cadet. Um, I don't know what the other cores call themselves. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but that's what it boils down to. And it does happen. Um, but I think it's happening a lot less now, which is really, really good. Yeah. And, and you know, it's good to, to talk about it again for full disclosure. But also, I mean... You know, for people that walk into these, you need to be aware of these kind of things. That you know, um, the only way to stop hazing is to call it out when it happens. So don't be afraid to talk to somebody and tell them that you see it happen. Right. So. It's okay to communicate that with your staff, your core director, because their number one priority is you. They're there for you, for your safety, for everyone's safety, um, and that's don't lose sight of that fact. Absolutely. So if you're if you're uncomfortable with something, absolutely communicate to somebody, um, to staff, to your directors. You can communicate to, to people in the core as well, um, like you know to your section mates. But absolutely escalate it when it needs to be escalated. Yeah. I know that um, especially nowadays, people are listening and people care, and they're not going to shove you under a rug. So so with that yeah. kind of mindset, you know when. Because I think that, that that's an important thing as well. Somebody that's looking to get into the band world, you know, you, you develop friends and you develop these relationships with people that you're sharing a common, common goal with. But then it's like once you cross that, that line, you know, the, whether it be, you know, Friday Night Lights or a competition, when you cross over onto the field, it's, you know, it's like a whole different world. I mean, you know, to, at least for me personally, it feels like, you know, it's like, this is all about me now. Like, I have to do my best. Otherwise, the people next to me won't have, you know, as as good of a performance. Um, this is how I feel about it. But, you know, as somebody that's, you know, getting into it or someone that is new to it, um, you know, it's hard to think about how to get through that physically um, because it's such a it's such an ask like when you're not used to doing it uh, there's a study I forget what year it was but they de- they, they did a study where they put a heart rate monitor on a blue devil snare drummer right and it, and it got above that of like NFL athletes right they got 280 beats per minute and yeah. in fact when they played the show when he wasn't even doing anything his heart rate spiked immediately yeah. I also saw that same study yeah it was really cool it's it really really interesting and for for those that say you know marching man is not a sport you're wrong um, <laughs> but <laughs> that's, a, that's a hot take yeah I, well I'll stand by my hot take because it's a sport um, but how you know what advice would you guys give to somebody that's getting into it or is, or even is experienced in it to, to kind of like 
push through physical and those mental barriers of like, I mean, because sometimes, you know, when it's 95 degrees outside on blacktop, if you practice on blacktop, it's more like 120. 120, Yeah. Yeah, So it's like, you know, how do you push through that? Because you've seen videos of like cores practicing like swimming pools because it's just like so dang hot. Right. And and I guess it also helps your lungs because like you have the water pressure pushing against your lungs. So (laughs) I guess you got like a double benefit, but like, yeah. That sounds cool. I never did that though. It was 120 degrees on the AstroTurf in Texas in july while we were there um got so hot to the point where our medical staff jumped in and said you guys can't practice anymore take a siesta which is an afternoon break so we did because people were dropping right because heat will affect you um i think the biggest thing for people in the activity or people who want to get into it is it's a great place to find community and also to challenge yourself um, but you have to make sure you find balance between pushing yourself and listening to your body because at some point your body is going to say, hey, whoa, 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 this is a lot. When in reality, you actually have a lot more in the tank. So in drum corps, we call it spring training, the wall. Mm-hmm. Seven days into spring training, seven to ten typically, you hit a wall when you're like, I can't do this anymore. This is so tough. My body is sore all the time. And I don't know what to do. I don't have any more energy to give. Um, and people listen to their bodies would go home. And we would not see them again. Um, but if you push past that wall, <laughs> then you actually are totally fine. And you get used to being sore all the time. And it's just a new way of living because your body adapts. Um, now I'm saying balance is important too because at some point, you know, if you pull a muscle, if you tear your ACL, you know, if you go through an, an injury um, or you've got other things going on behind the scenes, you need to listen to your body. You need to be able to take a step back and say, this is actually really dangerous for me and I need to stop. So when you, you know, talk about going through spring training and and going past the wall, I mean, like, so you experienced that firsthand with being, that being your first experience with core or were you kind of, you know, you kind of watched your, your, your friend when you, you know, you saw them in high school, um, come back for, did you kind of like prepare yourself before getting prepared? (laughs) I mean, we we go through a lot of, um physical training before you before you go to drum corps you're supposed to be running and doing push-ups and and trying to train your body into getting um stressed physically but nothing can prepare you for 12 hour days 12 hours of rehearsal not including any lunch breaks or anything else like that 12 hours of guzzling down water and holding holding pee in until you get a pee break (laughs) we got yelled at for that that's the that would be hard so it's um you can't prepare as much as possible, but nothing prepares your your mind and your spirit for that kind of um, just just test and the stress. And but it's you, possible. Yeah. Would you say that like your spring training is pretty comparable to all the other spring trainings out there? So like if somebody was watching this podcast and they heard about your story, they could expect that at other cores. Or do you think some cores do their spring trainings differently, or do all cores? I'm sure all cores do have that wall. But, like, do you think, like, other cores might hit that wall earlier than other cores? Yeah, I think for every every core and every individual is different. Right. But you will hit a wall in spring training. Some cores, um, we stayed on the gym floor, just like we did um, over tour. So that kind of uh, wore us out a little sooner because some cores get to sleep in dorm rooms with beds. And it's, it's a slightly different experience, slightly more luxurious experience for sure. <laughs> You're saying a dorm is luxurious, that's funny. 
<laughs> it is. It is. After you've been in, you know, over 100 high school gym floors, uh, nah, they're, they're all roughly the same. They all have cockroaches. Uh, and they all have that terrible white noise. That's a mental challenge as well. It's just like mm-hmm. you come, you're coming from your home, which you're used to. You probably have nice-ish, you know, facilities to use to take care of yourself. And then now all of a sudden you're just whisked away. And for like the next, what, 120 days about, you're just constantly. I think tours like 88 days. 88 days. You're just constantly on the move. So you're never getting comfortable. And then you have to deal with like just not the best facilities. Yeah. You feel like a fish out of water, but then you find out that you're really adaptable anyways. So I had a shower buddy named Megan, and typically if we were in the bathroom at the same time and showering and stuff, we would throw on some Disney tunes on her speaker and then just jam out and shower because it forces you to be very comfortable in your own skin, or at least challenges you to be very comfortable in your own skin because... I mean, at the end of the day, you've got a shower, so do 20 other people. There's only four shower heads, so you got to, like, make it work. Go in, go out, lather, you step out, someone else rinses, you know, just kind of get this system going. Um, and I think that was a really cool experience because after the first two days, you realize no one else cares, no one else is looking at you, and you can just right. do your thing. And that's that's really nice. Like, that's a nice confidence builder, in addition to all of the... Um, posture work and everything else that we do to like kind of build yourself up for the marching band um, look. And so like you brought up podium crew but like explain like because our listeners may not understand that you know once you like get past high school there's no like more parents <laughs> to help out with doing <laughs> There's not a like, booster club. <laughs> yeah there's no like pit crew or if like there is a pit crew it's all like students or you know so like can you just explain like you guys really do everything for yourselves, right? Right. So in high school, you get the benefit of band moms and dads, and they help with building the props, and they help on show days, bring things places. They want to make sure that you have a water bottle when you're feeling thirsty. Like, they are so nice. Uh, Thank you, all the band moms out there and dads. Y'all are great. So when you get to college and or DCI, they are not there. You do have volunteers in the food truck, and you do have volunteers running around trying to make logistics happen, but... At the end of the day, it's everyone around you in your core that's helping things get done. Your props need to get moved. You've got a prop crew of people who are going to move those props every morning, every evening. Um, but you got a scaffolding crew going to build up the towers for t- staff to stand on um, so they can look at you guys in the forums while you're doing visual block. So I was on podium crew, so the podiums the drum major stood on, I got to lug around every day. <laughs> and it was a point of pride, honestly. I was the only um, only girl on the crew. There you go. So, yeah, <laughs> super tough. But if, if you get a choice to choose your tour job, I've heard through the grapevine that uh, field crew is the best. You line the fields in the morning because um, a lot of the surfaces you practice on aren't lined or aren't lined correctly. Let's say they've got high school hashes and you need to have um, the professional NFL hash- hashes. So... There are a lot of different jobs, and they all come with their own quirks and challenges, and that's just another thing you get to add to your basket of fun when you do drum corps. <laughs> Lots of fun things for drum corps international. Can I ask you something silly? Of course. How many pairs of socks would you say you go through a day? Or did you only go through one pair of socks a day? I tried to keep it at one or two a day. Uh-huh. 
um, because stinky socks are disgusting, right. and if you wear them for six or twelve hours, it doesn't change the right, stink especially factor. Especially if like the grass is wet in the morning, right? Well, I guess I'm. Yeah, but then your feet get sweaty, and right, and just... it's no problem. Um, <laughs> it's no problem. <laughs> it's no problem. <laughs> I would say if you have a problem with sweaty feet and blister management and blister control, definitely change your socks out more often than not. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> cords usually do laundry once every two weeks, sometimes once a week if you're very lucky. Um, I think they're trying to improve that with, as you know, as the years go on, they're trying to improve the member comfortability. Right. Um, so maybe more free days are added in, maybe more free half days or laundry days. Um, but I would pack and get used to not doing laundry for two weeks, just to be safe. I think we should stop this podcast and start a laundry service for DCI. Yeah, uh, right, yeah, we'll do a, uh, a traveling laundromat. Yeah, um, I'm sure those exist. But kind of to backpedal a little bit, um, since I tend to do that a lot apparently. Um, <laughs> so it, in the college life, right, the average life of a marcher in a college band is two years. So they only live two years? Wow. Shh, don't tell them that. Um <laughs> They, they stay in band, in marching band for two years. I did not know um, that. So, but there's some at that level that are also entertaining doing DCI and drum corps. In that capacity, to, to you as someone who, who did both, um, to be able to bounce back and forth between the two different, totally different styles of marching, is it worth it to... to you know, bounce back and forth like that between seasons. Because because for DCI, for those that don't know, DCI happens largely in the in the summer. The tour happens over the summer, and the finals happen right before most school schools start, or some of them have already started when um, finals have or uh, for DCI finals happen. Um, and within those times, college bands will have their band camps and start their normal seasons at the end of that. So people that do both are going straight from an 88-day tour into directly into a whole season of marching band again. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, is it worth it? I think it depends on, on what you're in band for. Um, and this also goes to people looking at doing DCI going back into a competitive high school marching band because... Again, those are also night and day different, and you're going to have to meet the band where they're at. They're on day one. Right. You're on day 120, um, but they're on day one. And so it, it's going to be a whole different monster for you, kind of maybe withdrawing some of your comments, remarks, because you can see you know, the problems with one, with one marcher or the, ba- the direction of the band. You, know, you just kind of have to relax and let them do their thing and just worry about doing yours. Just worry about yourself. Is my horn clean? Am I learning all my dots? Does anybody is anybody asking for my help? Um, because jumping from DCI into college marching band, college marching band, it kind of saw is we want to do a good job, but mostly it's about having fun. You're there to entertain. That is the purpose of of Kennesaw's band. Um, and I I lost that when I first came back. I was a complete jerk to everybody i didn't mean to be but our lines could have been just really really straight if if you know you're like oh you're your quarter step off this way you know i could just see that because that's where i came from and right. the lines needed to be absolute perfection right um i'm not saying we're not striving for striving for the highest at a college level but it's a different monster it's a completely different game so if you're gonna do different bands dci 
in high school, DCI and college, you need to understand and approach that they are, they might have different purposes than DCI and that they're on day one and they're going to do a completely different thing. So you need to manage your expectations a little bit. Exactly. Okay. I um, think like just telling people when you get back, like, hey, just march DCI. It might be hard ass for a little bit, <laughs> but uh, don't worry. Like once I get back into the groove of things like that, like then I'll be back to you know the person that you used to know because um, I do feel like communicating with people is always basically the best way to just like make sure things don't boil over absolutely communication is definitely the best and just in all aspects of life not just in band what yeah what? you have to communicate yeah. you mean like to my roommate <laughs> I mean yeah probably that's your personal choice yeah I guess yeah I don't I don't. I don't like to talk to James very much. Yeah, we only do this podcast, you know. This is the only time it. I ever speak to him ever. Um, so, you know, we've talked a lot about the great things about DCI. You know, the again back. You know, we've talked a lot about the experiences, things you can learn, new habits you get. Um, you know, new skills you can bring back to the table at your your home band. Um, but what are some things? you know why people shouldn't do it you know what 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 would be things that you know why wouldn't you do dci if that makes sense i think um two things come to mind one of them is if you're not at a place um, let's say like musically you're excellent but let's say you have a lot of growing up to do mentally you're not in a place where you can manage yourself manage your time and you require other people or you're leaning on other people um, to kind of pick up your slack. And I think that DCI would challenge you, um, but if if you're really immature, it would be a really tough transition for you into drum corps. Um, yeah, I mean, because, I mean, it's a very individualized kind of effort, right? Because in high school, and, and we've talked about this, um, that in high school you know there's a good mix of people that are like oh i think band is cool so i'm gonna do it and there's a mix of people like my mom said i have to do band so here i am so they're not really putting forth their effort in college um you know i would say like 90 percent of the people in the band wanted to be in it depending on the program you go to and then you always have the people that are joining just because their friends are in it and Mm um you know they're not putting their force but at the dci level they everyone there paid a bunch of money and auditioned (laughs) to be there so very individualized so i you know i think i very much agree with you um you know where you know if you're gonna if you have trouble maintaining your expectations about yourself and you and like you said you require others to kind of steer you in the right direction you know you're going to be too busy it moves too fast you know they're not going to be able to to you know caddy you along with that so i i think i agree you know if if you don't have a strong mental fortitude <laughs> it probably probably wouldn't be right for you and you'd probably say like be prepared to get knocked down a couple pegs right cuz like most people are probably the best you know, performers at their high school or maybe even their college band, but then you show up to DCI and especially if it's your first season and you're like, oh, I made the core. I'm so good. And then you like find out how good the actual veterans are and you're like, whoa. It definitely humbles you a little bit. And it reminds me of the Dunning-Kruger effect, honestly. Explain Um, that for our listeners. So (laughs) the Dunning-Kruger effect 
basically has to deal with confidence and knowledge. So when you first do something and you learn a new skill, you're like, okay, I'm getting pretty good at this. I'm getting pretty good. Now I can play concert Fs with no fracking, no problem. They're actually really, really close to being in tune. This is awesome. Like, I'm so good. And I'm so your confidence goes up, right? And then you learn about the other 11 notes. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, in, oh, in wait, this, I play more than just scale. concert Fs? <laughs> and, then and then it goes right back down and your confidence goes down. And then you're kind of just climbing. Um, over time to get back towards being more confident. So it's experts in their field. Um, that's kind of how they start. Wow, I did marching band for a year. I think I know everything. And then you get back to down into the nitty gritty of, wow, how big a step size is and why your horn should be pointed 35 degrees. Um, is it up or in? Up and in. Right? Up and yeah, in. Yeah. It depends on which the effect well, yeah, you're going where for. Where you are on you know, yeah. the field. And the, exactly. the sound you're going for. And then you kind of get down into that and all the technicalities and your confidence goes down again because you're like, there's so much I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, so <laughs> kind of in a roundabout way, we're getting back to the story of, you know, making sure that you, you can handle drum corps, that you are ready for that challenge. So kind of continuing this conversation about maturity and everything. What do y'all think about um, DCI's age limit? You know, being from X years old to 21. I mean, I think it needs to be higher because I, I think the entry needs to be higher. I think, you know, and the age out limit needs to be higher because, I mean, you know, being being like a freshman in high school and then you're marching around with people that are like in college or, or like 20 plus right. or like almost legally able to drink is a big legality thing to me. So for me personally, if we changed it to be, you know, like 18, like starting at 18 to 25, because then also if you get a taste of DCI in high school, rather than feeling like this enormous pressure to like try to get this money to, to get in there as soon as you can and have years in it and whatever you can plan to to save up for it. And then your senior year of high school or, you know, that transition period, you can go into DCI and have saved up for it. So that money aspect that we talked about earlier could be a little, little less uh, uh, of a burden of a burden. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and with that, you know, have the same, you know, same rule apply, 18 to 25, and if, if you make the cut, you make the cut. Then you can march as many years as you want, right. you know, as well, long as you can afford it. That's where I disagree. Like, I do agree they need to bring up the age limit because, like, you are in high school. You really need to focus on getting your primary education. Um, and, like, DCI ultimately is a supplemental education, really, if you think about it that way. But it when you expand it to such a large age group, then not... You also have to consider experience at that point. So, like, if you are a 25-year-old and you've marched since you were 18, a core that selects only those people is always just going to sound better than a core that takes all age groups. So I think having a large, larger age group from 18 to 25 allows that person to say, hey, I am mentally ready to march in DCI. But also set, hey, you only have three years of eligibility once, like, you start that. Like maybe you marched when you're 18 and then you like, whoa, I was a little too immature. Let me like take a gap year and then come back another year. So like, I think that gives people a lot of options and it also gives the cores a lot of options. Like you don't have to like keep a clicking top, uh, ticking clock. You can just say, all right, you marched this year. You have like two more years within, you know, the next couple. So it sounds like you're almost talking about college sports. 
Yeah, if you're not, if you're, if you're varsity or if you're just a club sport, you only have X number of years eligibility. Right. I think currently it's five years eligibility. Yeah. Um, so you've yeah. got, you know, five, five different years you can participate in, in whatever sport you'd like. So I, I kind of like that approach, putting a somewhat of a time limit on it mm-hmm. um, and kind of following that model already. Right. And I think with like the older people you are more physically mature and we know that like music is always trying to find that next level of physicality to like you know wow crowds because like what we're currently in like the triplet age um we're like we the triplet age i don't know like instead of like (laughs) like i don't know how to explain it correctly but like uh the books for like drum the drum lines and whatnot is more faster pace than like back then I'm pretty sure it's like in the triplet, like the heavy emphasis on the triplet, like beat. Oh, okay, I understand now. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so absolutely. like maybe yeah. some soon, maybe five or six years, we audiences might be like, all right, we we're done with uh, triplets. Like we want something more. So like the book writers might be like, all right, I guess we have to move to like the sixlets. <laughs> and then like you need people who are physically able to handle that, and I feel like moving that age group up would allow for more physicality right because you're, you're building this idea off of the basis that you know young young adults have incredible energy and resilience but their bodies are literally still growing right. mm-hmm. i mean you will continue to grow until you're about 25 i think it's when your your brain kind of stops right. um doing all those things but it, it's, it's a, it's a <laughs> your lot brain of just stop <laughs> you turn 25 you're done yeah. uh, so i guess i'm done for uh you're done for yeah i don't know how i've been going yeah, on I don't know. these past two yeah. years I, I, your brain stops at 25 heard it here folks heard it here <laughs> first See, look there we go see your brain's not working you heard it here first folks yeah i didn't think about it what happens <laughs> if you're a 14 year old on tour and you make it and then like you hit like a four inch growth spurt during the middle of tour like well your uniform crew off the change uh your yeah. uniform out but it's, it's it's just putting a lot of stress on your body yeah. um and i'm not sure that it's responsible for for chorus to ask their members who are 15 i've marched with a 15 year old who was incredibly mature for their age who had to grow up a lot during tour um but i'm not sure that was you know the responsible thing of, of a core to ask somebody a young individual um was to put their body through with all that stress and they ended up tearing um they're growing on both sides because apparently you can tear it on both sides. Yeah. I did not know that. Um, and they wrapped it up and continued to march through the pain. Wow. So and I, yeah. now they have to deal with that for like the rest of their life because I think it healed up, but right, but, still, but like it's, it's not factory. Not gonna be the yeah. same. No, it's, it's not, not factory. factory. <laughs> it's not factory original. Oh man, yeah. Um, little known fact: all marching band members get a factory date. <laughs> Uh, so your factory date is your uh, first day of marching, and then you have a uh, uh, Best Buy date. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. So, um. Um, which, but your your idea is contrast kind of what I would think the the, the best way to go about um, mark DCI and ages and everything. I would have DCA still open for everybody. Um, more maybe more, maybe more towards the younger folks, towards learning new skills testing your body you know just growing as a musician and then have dci reserved for people who were you know, 15 to 20 um and then have another like a dc P. C. yeah <laughs> a dcs uh, drum corps senior program for the 21 through 25 year olds um that way 
I mean, you're kind of grouped more by development, right? And kind of your life experiences and, and you guys can still share a lot of the same field and competitions and stuff, just be um, grouped differently. Because I think it's a big problem when you have people who can legally drink in the same bus with, around the same people, having the same conversations as people who are 15, 16 years old. Because that's, that's, you're, you're at different points in your life. Yeah, you would never have and those conversations in high school. Yeah. <laughs> you so, can't go like go back to high school and like just hung it up with your high school friends and be like, oh, wait, I can't talk about that stuff in school. <laughs> right. Well, so, also, I mean. And it maybe would help broaden the horizon of the marching arts, you know, not just being yeah. more publicly available on screens or cheaper, but it would, you know, just get a lot more people involved and into it because it's it's really difficult to get into DCI with, with the whole barriers to entry of the ages, the money, the time can you travel for, for camps all winter long. Um, so it's it's really it's it's really difficult to do. And that would maybe make it easier. Well, I can see that and but you know, at the same time we're assuming that, you know, in, in as of our conversation today, that you know, we're going to be in a place where we can allocate those kinds of research. Because, you know, to start a whole program, you know, just one core is a lot. So now to be able to divide, change the whole rule set of one set of core DCA, which is, you know, historic, historically nowadays for people post DCI um, or people who didn't make the DCI cut, um, right. to now adding an entirely one new organization. Now you have to fill that with cores. To try to, to get stuff in. So, like, I, you know, I, I think it's a good idea in theory. Um, but I think, you know, because currently where we're at, I don't think I don't think it's possible. Because then, you know. Well, I was thinking more like the Major League Baseball system where you have, like, the like Major minors, League yeah. affiliate and then you have the Minor League affiliates. And so, like, maybe if there was, like, a whole streamlined system. Because then, like, you could have practices where, like, hey, we're bringing the younger kids up so they can get a little taste of life and, you know, see what, like, the next so, step is. if you look at Blue Devils, they have oh, right. three cores. Because mm-hmm. um, they've got their DCA core, and then they've got another one as well. Right. For education, learning purposes. So, I think if we kind of bark up their tree and figure out how they're doing it and is it working for them and what their goals are, Maybe that's replicatable throughout the country because drum corps started um, as just kind of kids wanting to do band and playing after school and, and organizing on, in churches and stuff. It started small. BAC, Boston Area Crusaders. That's what Boston stands for, right? And we've, we've grown a lot since then. Um, and so has everybody. But we've lost a lot of cores like the Star of Indiana because... Mm. It, it's, it's just kind of gone in this direction of now there's now we're more like the NFL unless like um, your local kid soccer team if that makes sense we've we've scaled everything up and so maybe to expand we would need to scale some of the cores down as in maybe the dcp would be more localized and not go on a full-fledged tour and just be seen at a couple like a home show and semis here's i guess sort of a touchy subject like how bad is it when people drop out in the middle of the season or is it not bad at all because you have alternates just somebody who steps in um it's it affects everybody i mean at the end of the day talking about the show is one thing but that's that's a friend that's somebody that you cut up with every day 
you know, we had one of our triple players leave in the middle of the season um, because he had some stuff at home he had to go home and deal with. And, I mean, the whole core felt that. Um, and we were sad to see him go. His name was Mark. And we were, you know, sad. Like, hey, I'm so sorry, Mark, that you've got it. This is your last right. stop. Um, so at the end of the day, like, your community, you're tight knit. And while you don't like everybody in your core at all times, um, you're, you become somewhat of a family going through this experience together. And so having alternates come in is really great. Um, but even being an alternate, it's it's extra tough for alternates out there. Right. Because you've got to come in and learn someone else's spot and be just as good as they were or be just as accurate, say, in the show as they were um, without getting 12 hours of rehearsal a day. You're there, you're marching, but it's it's not the same. Especially if you're an alternate who's like, oh, I was just over there in trumpets being a trumpet for a month and now I've got to go to the mellophones and learn a completely different you know, way of doing things. Yeah. Right. So... It's difficult, but it's cores adapt and people adapt, um, and it happens every year, and that's it's okay. Okay. Yeah, because I feel like sometimes there can be a stigma around like people who do drop out, and so like, sorry, don't know what I'm trying to say. It's just like it's okay to drop out, and like life will move on as long as you have like a valid reason to, right? Yeah, as long the world, the sun will rise the next morning, the world will keep on spinning. <laughs> Um, it's going to be a big deal for the individual, absolutely, to really mm-hmm. consider dropping out and consider why. Um, and if you go to drum corps and you do it and you're thinking about dropping out, the best thing to do is communicate. Say, hey, I'm actually having a really hard time here for these reasons, and maybe your staff or your section can help you with that. Um, and that's just a conversation that's going to happen as you know, case by case. Um, let's say like you can't carry on your horn all day because it's too heavy then maybe switch out to a different horn um, because they they will test you and make you hold your horn up for a period of time and your arms will shake and you're right. going to say, this is this really hurts, this is a big stretch for me. Um, but then you put your horn down and you get stronger at the end of the day. Right. So, it, it, again, it's a huge challenge, but if you're up to it, it can teach you a lot of things about yourself. Um, sorry, backing up a little bit. Like, Can you just explain alternates? Because like, there are plenty of high school programs that just don't have alternates because obviously like you're in high school everybody should well be marching my philosophy is that everybody should be marching so like i guess can you just explain alternates so if like somebody is interested in dci and they show up and like oh there's things like alternates i think that's best explained by the cores Mm because every core is gonna have a different system for their alternates but i think the general gist of being an alternate is you were good enough to make the, the horn line let's say, um, 10 people auditioned, 10 people were good enough and they made it. And they only had nine spots. So then you got one alternate. So that means if anything happens to the other nine members who are on the field marching, um, then you get to jump in. And sometimes you get to do other things like hide behind a prop or move this stuff around or get this transition ready on the field so you're not just like watching them every single time. Um, but you are there for the whole summer you might pay a reduced tuition, you might pay the full tuition. Um, that's a core by core thing. And then you're there eating with everybody. You're practicing in the horn line with everybody. Um, and you kind of have to learn a lot of different parts, you know, in case, in case. Right. The, yeah. <laughs> someone else not in, in case, your horn line could. Right. Not, not, right. Yeah, not, not in your horn line. Exactly. Not in the horn line or not in your section. Um, or even just, oh, the first, the first mellow is out this week. Um, you need to jump in and jump in that spot. Okay, cool. So, 
you're trained like everybody else with the music and the visual. You just might not always have a dot or be on the field um, for the performance. So, like, what's that cutoff line between marching a hole in a show or, like, throwing an alternate in? Like, let's say, like, the morning of somebody has, like, morning sickness and they just cannot march. Like, would you have an alternate or just have that hole? Have that hole. Okay. It's. I think it's unreasonable to ask somebody, hey, learn this entire show and <laughs> in six hours. In six hours. I mean, unless they're that good, in which case, like, hats off to you. But I think it's it's pretty unreasonable to try it and have someone learn over a hundred dots in a right. day. So like, you would say that cores do try to be reasonable, not like alternates. You are. You should be available for any situation. Right. Um. They don't want to abuse people. Right. Um. Let's say instead of hey, this person's out for this show. Can you jump in for this really small section? You oh, know, okay. just let's say people are behind the props, so you jump in, march the rest of the act, and then they go back on the props. Like, there might be ways way. to fit them in and to get them to learn some dots and fill a hole, and and maybe that person's out forever, and that becomes their new dot or that, their new spot. Um, but it's it's flexible. Right. It's like a, an amoeba. An amoeba. <laughs> <laughs> I. Hey, shapes are hard, and that's why we do band, because somebody tells us how to make them. Yeah. Wait, we make yeah. shapes. That's the hardest. Yeah. Yeah. No, but we pay no, somebody to right. make somebody the tells shapes, us and we, shape. we just follow their instructions. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, but I, So I'm curious to know something about, you know, just in your, your band career, marching arts career. Um, you know, you've seen a lot of things. You've met a lot of people. What are what is like by far, if you can think of it, the most embarrassing thing that has happened to either you or to someone else that you have seen happen? If you can think of one, we went to Disney and we were gonna play and do a little march and have the rest of the day free to enjoy Epcot. That's a great deal. Would do again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they run security checks um, on everyone coming into the park. And so we hadn't done laundry that week. Oh, no. So the two of us <laughs> and smelled disgusting. Absolutely terrible. It smelled so bad that the, 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 the employee for Disney walked on the bus, like, did this. All right. You guys have anything bad to bring it in? We said, no. He said, okay, bye. And he, he could not complete his walkthrough and look through the bus like he was supposed to. Because it smelled so bad, he had to get off ASAP. <laughs> we were burning his nose. And I was like, wow, it didn't smell that bad, does it? Apparently. You get used to it. I mean, yeah. you, get, you get nose blind. Absolutely. And that's, that's really kind of sad, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, understandable. You only do laundry every two weeks. So it's like, what, what can you do about it, right? Sometimes we wash our clothes in the sink. With little Tide Pods. You break them open, you don't give eat them a little those. rub down, and you're good to go. Do not eat Tide Pods. <laughs> They're not a snack. They're not snacks. Oh, my goodness. So, I mean, to, to you know, we mentioned something earlier in, in our discussion. I mean, we talked about, you know, trying to bring more people in, you know, appealing to more more students. But, like... In today's day and age where everything is so electronic, everything's based on how well your social media presence is and, you know, how good your marketing team is. <laughs> um, I mean, how how does DCI, I mean, how do they expand? How do they get more people to, to, to watch? Like, what would you think would bring more, more people? I mean, to me, I would think it'd be lower prices and <laughs> um, an actual, like, 
broadcast. Like if there was a well, yeah, it like used to be on show. PBS from what yeah. the seventies till the mid two thousands, and then yeah. they stopped. So, so it, like and a now TV it's marching, right? Mm-hmm. But if they were like actually bring back like a more public access to to seeing it and more like a you know even if it was just like you know that time between semis and and, and finals and just did like a, a little short like series about it I mean, semis um, and finals is what 12 24 hours this is like 20 24 48 hours but to be able to do a it's broadcast like, of both of those it's less than that yeah yeah so i mean but even so just like, doing the short time yeah just as harrison saying like as somebody who marched dci what do you think that DCI corporate can do to better market DCI. I think making it more accessible to the masses and not just having it be this niche thing, right? On flow marching, that that's limiting. Um, if you can put it back on PBS, get just just get it on screens out there. It'd be really really neat. Um, I think the price to entry too. Tickets to competitions are expensive. The performers mm-hmm. are paying a ton of money, which is incredibly. Um, it creates a huge barrier to entry mm-hmm. for, for DCI. Um, not everyone's got $4,000 to, <laughs> to drop on three months. Um, so I think there, there are a lot of barriers, but if you kind of look at just putting it on more screens, making things cheaper. I mean, I know your staff is, is loves the sport and is almost volunteering their time, if not volunteering their time um, to be there. And that, that, that love and that heart just needs to radiate through the, the corporate, um, through the money. Yeah, and, and well, in the cheaper <laughs> money to let more people in. Um, well, I think they did have a lot of good things with the broadcasting at movie theaters. That was really cool. I remember going to those um, before I did drum corps and after. Um, I always try and catch them when they're in. So that's that's really good, too. And some cores are really good at reaching out. I think Jersey Surf does a lot of volunteer work during the season as well, which is a great way to engage the community. Boston, we did a Boston day, um, and we trying to uh, outreach to at least a little bit, a couple schools um, throughout the year and, and engage with their with their youth and just say, hey, band is really cool. This is what we're doing, you know, <laughs> and maybe try and inspire them to be to be better because that's at the end of the day, band is. Um, it's about the community, but it's about being a part of something bigger than yourself, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you, you've got your dot, your music, but you're on the field with everybody else creating this huge, huge show, huge production, huge, almost machine of movement. Um, and that in itself can inspire you and inspire your audience, the people you're performing for. Yeah, that's a good point because, you know... You're you're on this like you said it's a machine but every cog has to work. Absolutely. <laughs> you can't have one one uh, one gear that's uh, has no actual uh, rungs on it. Yeah, <laughs> it's this just a, is not going to do anything. Right. Um, so to kind of to kind of sum us up here with 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 DCI and you know your experience just in band in general. I mean, you know, can you give us like a like a little tagline? Just you know. Do you do DCI? Is it good, bad, or what is it? <laughs> it's ugly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think DCI is, is is becoming a really great vehicle for for young musicians to develop their talent and their skill, not only in the music side, but just building a better person, trying to be the best you can be, and really experiencing 
um, that being really skilled at something, really putting time and passion and a lot of hard work, blood, sweat, and tears into it can pay off. Um, because when you take that, when you take band away, because you might not do band forever, when you take that away, you still have so much that you're left with, so many new skills that you've gained. Um, so I think it is a really good vehicle, and I love the direction they're going in with making it less traditional and embracing more dance um, and, and just really other artsy aspects, including um, the controversial <laughs> blue coat speakers, because there's a lot of speakers. <laughs> yeah. And the bus wars. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with that, do you have anybody you want to shout out to or any plugs or anything about yourself? Anything exciting in your life or a personal life you want to share? I think it's really important for you to stand up for yourself and know your worth. Um, I'm going through this journey where I recently quit a job in January and I quit a job last month um, just because it wasn't working for me. It's not what I want to do long term. And I'm developing this vision of what I want to do long term of like traveling and engaging with people and, and always learning and maybe trying to pass wisdom on. Um, and I just realized that the jobs I had weren't weren't getting me there. So, got to set yourself up for it's, success. It's yeah, right. <laughs> it's scary um, to be uh, out in the world and trying to find your own way and be yourself and have um, your expressions and everything. Like if you want to wear a hat versus not wearing a hat, you know, just stuff like that. How do you I'm express very yourself? Pro hat. <laughs> right, pro hat. I want the record to show I am very pro hat. Um, so I think that band has really helped me like with the confidence and being like, it's okay to, to try new things, to take those risks because I've done, you know, I did DCI and that's, that's a cookie in a cookie jar. And when I need to, to have some energy and some motivation, I can take it out and, and eat it. Um, motivation cookies. We like it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, I'm excited to see what direction DCI goes in and I'm, really grateful to have been a part of it for the year the season I was and the all the auditions because I learned a lot in my auditions even if you're not going to march just audition you're going to learn something you're going to meet some cool people um, and I still talk to a lot of the people I met uh, at Boston Crusaders or in other cores as well I still talk to them I still have friends who have grown into being marathon runners now or professional French horn players um, if you want to learn anything about the French horn Kate Warren is the is the woman to ask <laughs> she is incredibly knowledgeable and a really um, a really sassy and fun person. So I would recommend. Um, I don't have any plugs. I'm, <laughs> I'm on the internet. <laughs> Want to find me at Juliana Thomas Seven at Instagram. Um, there you go. That's that, a plug. Yeah. I guess it is a plug. <laughs> I hike a lot. So if you want to see naturey things, go give my page a shout. <laughs> Well, uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Like, I feel like we learned a lot and just, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, if you want to catch more of these, you know, uh, uh, or ask us any questions, give us any feedback about, you know, what you want to hear us talk about, um, you can find us anywhere, any social at uh, Marching Arts Pod. Um, and, uh, I mean, until next time. Until next time. This has been your guide to all things marching. <laughs>